so there's a real like visceral nature because it's survival right and my my family all hunted and trapped and fished i had a trap line when i was a little kid life is inherently stressful and unforgiving that's there's no question joe rogan is a good friend he bow hunts instead of taking an animal that's been put through the process but if you're eating a burger and you don't like somebody hunting a deer you're just crazy we human beings think we know shit about something that we often know nothing about and then express very serious powerful opinions about it and yeah. that's part of the reason why it's so deeply humiliating and painful to lose in front of everyone because somewhere genetically we feel that we are about to be sent out from the tribe never to mate again put down your latte and pull on your boots I would rest at peace for eternity if my legacy was that I made a positive influence on the non-hunting public about what hunters are and what hunting is. I finally got my buck on our last real day of hunting. So a pro-hunting organization is voting against hunting. And that says anti-hunting to me. There was a year straight where I was averaging up to 200 death threats a day. And I hugged it. Like, I just wanted to hug a bear. It's proven that the average steak in a grocery store touches 50 to 100 hands and machines. And we're putting that into our body. Hey, y'all, Cable Smith, host of the Lone Star Outdoors show here. This is Adam Weatherby. I'm Corey Jacobson with Elk 101. This is Christy Titus. Hey, folks, this is John Bear. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey y'all, welcome to a very special bonus episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. So getting on to the episode, recently I've hired some new employees, some really fantastic guys to work for the Wild Initiative. One of them has done a ton of work in the MMA scene. He's got a lot of buddies out in that direction, and he recently introduced me to the one and only Robin Black. Y'all, Robin Black is a former fighter. He did a stint in uh, the music industry. That's a, a really interesting one. But he is now an expert commentator on the fight scene. 
And not only that, he comments on just about any type of fighting you can imagine, from street fights to bugs to stuff in the animal kingdom. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, make sure you do that. There's some great stuff in there. He is the king of the one-minute breakdown. Well, my team member, Lewis was kind enough to introduce me to Robin. Robin and I hopped on an Instagram Live, and really, we just had an incredible time talking about fighting and hunting and the outdoors and how our two passions coincide. I mean, we touched on a little bit of everything from fitness to trophy hunting, and really, it was just a unique and, I thought, insightful conversation, and I wanted to share it with y'all. Now, just a reminder that this is an Instagram Live. It's very raw, very rough, and unedited so hope you all enjoy this one don't judge me too harshly for the sound quality but enjoy this bonus episode my instagram live with robin black we'll see uh got some got a few people joining what's up everybody super stoked to have robin joining me today here we go let's see And I think that worked. <laughs> What's up, y'all? What up, brother? How's it going? I'm good. How about you, man? I, I'm doing fantastic. It's Friday. It's been yep. a productive morning. The weather's beautiful. I'm not complaining. Good. Where, where do you live? Now, first of all, you, I, we were introduced by my friend... Uh, Lewis, who is the man. Uh, so any friend of his is automatically a friend of mine. Uh, are you in the same same neighborhood as him? You have the same part of the world? We are We are absolutely on the other side of the world. <laughs> um, I'm in Northern California, so I'm closer to yeah. you than he is. No, I'm in Canada. I'm way up in Canada. Oh, you're up in Canada right now? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. in fact, I was actually. Oh, I was going to say, I know you spend some time down in LA occasionally, uh, doing stuff with Bellator, right? Yeah. I'm in LA. Um, and, well, I was about to say I'm in LA a week a month, but I'm in LA a week a month <laughs> during other parts of the, the world, uh, other times in human existence. But right now I'm, I'm up here in Canada. Yeah, I was gonna say nothing. Uh, nothing ever seems to be open, I, and I don't want to go anywhere, anywhere near Los Angeles at the moment. So, <laughs> no, no. Although I, I mean, I know what you love to do, and that's what we have in common is we both do what we love. Um, I'd love to be sitting next to a cage talking while people, human beings, fight. Um, it's just not happening right now. So, so I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. And and for those those who are asking, we will make the quick introduction to Lewis. Uh, Lewis is a good buddy of yours. He is somewhere on here. It's uh, the Lewis Serrano. Give him some love on Instagram. Uh, he recently joined my team. Awesome guy. So got to give him also give him a shout out as well. Um, but yeah, man. So uh, I've been watching watching some of the videos. Uh, <laughs> um, and dude, you are a kick, man. I I absolutely love it. Um, if y'all haven't checked out, so we're kind of coming at this from from a couple of different worlds here. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm coming at it from the outdoors and hunting. You come you come from the MMA world, and so for those those joining that uh, uh, that are coming in from my world, if you're not familiar with Robin's videos, make sure you check out his Instagram, his YouTube. Check out his one minute breakdowns. They are they are worthy of entertainment all throughout the day for sure. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, I know where we do cross is, I you know I analyze combat of any kind, um, and that includes if two if a cat fights a dog or you know an ant fights a, a ladybug. I'm still going to analyze. It's just movement and and combat. You know, it doesn't matter what animal if it's yeah. a human animal or a different animal. It's still combat. What was the one I was just watching? Uh, I was watching the uh, the leopard versus the warthog or Charlie Cheetah. Oh, what was it? Yeah. That was, yeah. It that was, was uh, what I was thoroughly enjoying just now. Yeah. The, you know, when you're building stuff, I'm interested in, in, the, in analyzing combat. And in the animal kingdom, that is li- life, right? Like, I'm trying to eat mm-hmm. that animal to live. And that animal is trying to stop me from eating it. So it continues to live. So that's a real like visceral nature because it's survival, right? Uh, but that one was wild because at the end, like out of nowhere, um, uh, this hyena comes in and just, re- uh, you know, explodes the whole thing. But there, it was the weird twist of it. But again, like, I don't care if it's two men fighting in a ring or a cage or if it's animals fighting for survival. It's, combat is unpredictable. Oh, absolutely. Well, and it's, do you, I'm assuming you probably have seen a lot of these videos and that's kind of where some of the content, you've, you've heard of like Nature is Metal, right? The account? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nat- yeah, and uh, I've actually, Nature is Metal has shared one or two of mine where I got theirs and then analyzed it. I don't know the individual that runs Nature is Metal, but I've, they've DM'd me and shared a few of mine and I have seen some of theirs. And Nature is Metal is a really, really moving, moving site, beautifully curated. It's, it's the, whether you are somebody who talks about baking or bicycles or nature or fighting, that's the level of quality that somebody can do mm-hmm. is what they're doing. The highest level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, you know, it's incredible because people get so convinced in our world today. They're, we're so disconnected, completely disconnected from nature now that we need accounts like that that remind you it's like there's there's some like random thought in this world that like when animals die they they make it to this ripe old age and you know uh, a deer this this old gray deer walks up the mountain and lays down in a field of clover and and all the animals in the animal kingdom surround him and that's not how deer die (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it, n- not at all. Uh, when I grew up, I grew up in a small town in Manitoba, Canada, central Manitoba, like nowhere. And my, my family all hunted and trapped and fished. I had a trap line when I was a little kid. And so oh, nice. uh, it was beautiful, actually. It was, if you know, a really w- a way that not only were, was a, my, me and my brothers able to be close with my dad, but I learned about about negotiating by selling the, the furs. I learned about preparing things and taking an asset, a fur, and making it more valuable by the way that you treated it. There's a lot you learn about life from doing that, you know? But you also learn that, yeah, like there are, whether it's humans, and, and we trapped and hunted because my father grew up, they were poor. And, and if you shot a deer, family ate for the winter, right? Um, oh, yeah. But 
by being out in the world like that, you see, yeah, the shit, whether it is a human being who is, needs the food or, or is, is doing the hunting or another animal, you, animals don't, don't end up in old folks' homes. <laughs> it's, I, you know, it's so funny. I mean, because I get all these people that, that it, it's not as bad for me. I know a lot of people get it a lot worse, but they come on and they're like, they just attack, 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 attack. Mm -hmm. And how can you kill this beautiful animal? I'm like, well, because the split second that I kill that animal, use it and feed my family is a lot better than the days and weeks of pain and suffering and starvation that it would deal with otherwise. For sure. Oh my God. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, life is inherently stressful. Life is inherently stressful and unforgiving. That's, there's no question. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I eat meat. I love meat. Um, you know, and when I travel the world, I like to, and it's different. Meat is different in different places. I had Z in Senegal when I was there. And uh, I tried uh, different meats when I was in Southeast Asia. Um, but uh, like my, Joe Rogan is a good friend and he, he bow hunts. Mm -hmm instead of taking an animal that's been put through the process because you know of course it's a better quality of meat it's a purer meat it's a pure acquisition and harvest of the animal i mean it only makes sense like uh now i get it if somebody's just like don't ever harm anything that casts a shadow okay if that's that if that's your world i get why you're upset but if you're eating a burger and you don't like somebody hunting a deer you're just crazy <laughs> I, it's you know you're paying someone to assassinate some stuff for you and and here's the thing i don't fault anyone you know what if you don't want to hunt you don't have to i don't care but don't sit and come after me while you're sitting there with a stuff in your face with a big ass burger and tell me that what i'm doing is wrong oh hell no yeah <laughs> hell no and, but well they yeah. say i was gonna say here's the other thing they say that uh between 37 to 100 hands have touched every steak you buy from the store. Wow. 37 wow. to damn 100 hands. That's nasty. That's nasty. You know That's real nasty. My deer back strap, one. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Well, there, it brings up a bigger question too about, about life. That's always why I love talking to people who are specialists in their area, like you are in yours. And, and I specialize in one area, is we see the same things over and over again. Like we human beings, think we know shit about something that we often know nothing about and then express very serious, powerful opinions about it. But for the most part, I mean, unless you do specialize in something, most of it, we know about the things we truly specialize in and not a hell of a lot else. I don't know much about politics or the weather or, you know, areas of science that I don't study. I just know about what I know about. But by you, by you studying and being deeply immersed in one area, it makes you more humble about other areas. You don't pretend to be an expert in things you don't know, correct? Absolutely. And, and my whole thing is, yeah, I'm, I'm new to hunting. I did not grow up with it. I was not the kid that, like, walked through the woods with granddad's gun necessarily. I picked this up a few years ago and I fell in love with it. And yeah. so I am very, I always, I always put out there. I'm like, I am not an expert at this. I am a student as, as, as yeah. much as student can be. And, uh, we've got, we got someone here, just, uh, hostry. And I'm apologize if I butchered your name. He's asking here about trophy hunting and this, this one thing, I, I just want to call it out because this is one of my biggest pet peeves. 
trophy hunting is the most loaded term on this earth. It is, mm, it is a enough. very loaded term. So one thing people ought to know, in whether you're he, in England, North America, or Africa, trophy hunting, the concept of just shooting an animal and like chopping off its head and taking off with it, that is illegal, 100% illegal. Mm -hmm. That is not hunting, that is poaching. Uh, you are required to take the meat. You are required to pack that whole thing out and do it legally and ethically. Um, any sort of hunting that is not done legally is not hunting, it's poaching. I'm just throwing that out there first and foremost. It's also harmful to people like you who hunt. People who do that mm -hmm. actually harm people like you who do it ethically. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in the hunting community at large, when people like that are found, oh, they're ostracized. They are, they are ripped to shreds in the hunting community. There's celebrity, like hunting celebrities. They have TV shows that have gotten caught doing shady shit, wow. like really shady stuff. And the hunters are the first ones to rip them apart. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So trophy hunting... The other idea of trophy hunting, you know, taking the animal with the biggest rack, the concept behind that is as hunters, we want to take the most mature animal, the animal that has lived the longest, mm -hmm. has spread its, its genes, it's done its mating, whatever that is. So, you know, we look for a big elk, a big animal like that. And typically at the point where you're hunting a quote unquote trophy animal, that animal is past its prime. A lot of the time it's been uh like in the case of lions they'll older lions get ostracized from their pack and mm. so those they've they've stopped their they they're effectively not effective at breeding anymore they yeah. lose their ability to pass on their uh their genetics and so by taking that older more advanced animal you're refreshing the gene pool in say that pack because they're mm. still they're still pushing off all those other you know, younger lions, because they're, you know, still kind of in charge. But yeah. uh, it's yeah. trophy hunting is kind of a loaded term, but I always like to put that out there. For sure. Yeah. So you want to hear an interesting um, uh, crossover element. The, the moment when, when, when human beings fight and when you lose, uh, especially in front of everybody, you know, muscled up, wearing shorts in a cage in front of hundreds of thousands of people watching on television, and you lose – there was a deep sense of, of loss and pain that's very challenging to overcome. And they say that there's almost a genetic sort of connection to in human beings being ostracized from the tribe. That there is the feeling of, the, you know, some of our primate ancestors would fight each other to stay the one that could breed and ostracize the other for a life of loneliness and and uh, wandering, trying to find meaning in a life that's over. Um, and yeah. that's part of the reason why it's so deeply humiliating and painful to lose in front of everyone, because somewhere genetically, we feel that we are about to be sent out from the tribe never to mate again. You know, it's in us. Humans have that feeling. 
you're about to lose your position. You know, your position yeah. in the tribe talks about, you know, the the chief back in the day. It was the chief that ate first. I tell you what. And then, yeah. you know, then it's his, like, first-level guys. And, and it goes down from there. And if you're the – you're lucky if you get the – you get to gnaw on the bones afterwards. Exactly. And yeah, we forget about that. Our, our luxurious, comfortable – you know, sitting in plush chairs lives right now. It's true. Um, yeah, very true. But that's still in us. So you still have, we still, when we're scared or insecure or weak or humiliated, we still have those feelings that date back. It's only five people ago that we weren't living comfortably. Three people ago that we weren't living as comfortably as this. That's still in us, that that awareness of of what failure and setback and humiliation can mean. Starvation, never meet, uh, mating again, never having, you know, friendships or or, or meaning in your life, all of that's connected to to success and failure to this day in us. Well, it's such a, it's, it's so easy to forget the whole tribal aspect that we come from. And I was actually just talking with a bunch of guys about this and the whole concept of uh, masculinity and, and building your tribe. And it's such an unpopular thing to discuss nowadays. You know, everyone's, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's masculinity and masculinity is a tool and you use it how you want and yeah. blah 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 with that. But yeah. you know, we forget Masculinity is also ever changing. What it means to be a man is different than what it meant a thousand years ago. It will be different in a hundred years from now too. It's also individual. Um you know, yeah. To to assign just being a male or a female as somehow toxic is, is a pretty wild overreaction to something that is a part of being a human. It's pretty, it's pretty weird, really. See, though, I, I, I question how much the idea of masculinity and being a man has changed. Because you look back through and you say, like, you look at a lot of these, a lot of these guys and there's a, and, and a big difference. Uh, there's a big difference, I'd say, between being a good man and being good at being a man. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I, that's a quote from a, a guy, Jack Donovan, that I'm, I'm a huge fan of his books. But mm -hmm. um, you look back like through history and all of this stuff, and there's like some masculine dudes out there who are like the villains of existence, you know? Like freaking, you look through history, like Hannibal. Dude, how many, yeah. you know, people, that dude took over the world. Alexander the Great, like, murdering people, taking over the world, all of this crap. Um, but would you say those were not masculine men? 100% they were. For sure they were. Um, but I think what, like, being a warrior leader and, and being a conqueror is an aspect of masculinity. Probably always will, may always be, may not. Um, but I think some of those things may still be valuable, but then we get, we sort of misuse them to go in and conquer other businesses in the same, say, for example, in the same way that we would conquer areas and resources and stuff may not be as useful a, a, a direction of our masculinity to spend your entire lifetime buying up other businesses and never finding happiness may not be. It may be today's influence or today's sort of way to look at that. Um, but I think it changes what we, we're many things. I think that's the other thing. We're all many things. 
we're we're a man and a brother and a and a son and a friend and um, maybe a husband or a father, a worker, a learner, a journey, um, a student. We're all we're at a lot of things. So I think they're all blended together. I think it's difficult to say what's what, um, but I think it's very dangerous for somebody else to say that by you being a man, this is a bad thing or this is somehow harmful. Men have always been there. Presumably, unless the world changes in a thousand years and there are not men and women, they always likely will. To somehow say that that's inherently toxic or bad is is a little crazy, <laughs> you know. Oh yeah, and I mean it's again, in my opinion, it's like anything. It's it's a masculinity is an aspect, and it's a tool that can be directed one way or the other. Yeah, yeah it, just like strength. Strength, you can use it in a million different ways. You know, you can direct it to lift someone up or you can direct it to beat someone down. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's very cool. true. I just, I just saw a really interesting question. Uh, again, just story, sorcery. Again, I'm sorry, I butchered your name too. Do you ever get an emotional connection with the animal when hunting? That's an interesting one. I would say absolutely. Um, and everybody, and keep in mind, this is me speaking from my perspective. The the people I surround myself with and the type of hunting I prefer to do, absolutely. And and also, here's the thing. Like, if I'm going out with buddies and we're going squirrel hunting, something like that, and want to make squirrel stew, maybe not so much. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. and keep in mind, squirrel stew is awesome. I swear by that up and down. I can mm. share recipes. I've had it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like for elk hunting or, or, or mule deer hunting, where I'm going out and I'm spending months researching locations for that animal, then, you know, if it's, if it's fairly local or I'm taking the time where I'm going out and scouting week for weeks beforehand and maybe finding a specific animal that I want to chase. Um, and then you're going in and you're packing into the woods and you're you're in there. You're spending days without going back to the truck, without going back to a hotel room. You're rolling in there and you are, um, you're following these animals around and you're waiting for your opportunity. You're patterning them. You're learning them yeah, yeah. with elk. Like you can recognize a like elk by their bugles even, which if you've mm -hmm. never heard an elk bugle, that's one of the coolest sounds on earth, by the way. So, of course, damn straight, you develop an emotional connection with these animals. Mm. And there is, it is a bittersweet moment when you harvest that animal. Um, of course. But that shot is the smallest, smallest portion of that entire experience of hunting. Yeah. That is just an instant. And there's a dude. And it's uh, not the right end there. either. It's not the end either, oh, because then there's the relationship that begins with with uh, uh, with consuming and preparing and sharing and feeding your family. I mean, that relationship is still happening after the shot. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we always say like, once you pull that trigger, that's when the hard work starts. When you're when you're mountain mm -hmm. hunting, because because this isn't the type of hunting where you roll up with the ATV, sling it on the back, and you take it, you hang it up in your barn, and go. This is the Okay, you know, and, and I'm still working on my first elk right now, but this is the kind of hunting where you go in, you pull that trigger, you have to get to the elk, and these are these can be up to like a thousand pound animals. And so you then have to spend the next few hours 
processing this animal, quartering it out, throwing it on your damn back. If you're lucky, you got some buddies coming out to help you. And you're talking, you know, 100 pounds right there, 100 plus pounds mm. that you are hauling out. And you got to make four or five trips. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's some yeah. serious dedication. Yeah. For sure. So my my connection on my end to this, it's it's a human and you're fighting him in prize fighting. But think about the connection you have through that process to go in, never mind the sharing of 15 or 25 minutes or the experience that happens, but weeks and months of preparing for that person, studying them, studying who they are, ad admiring them at times. You go in, this is a very special human being I'm going to fight. It's a very special human being who's dedicated themselves to becoming this on this night and I have to overcome them. You develop a deep emotional connection to that person. Now, that you, you don't harvest them and they don't feed you physically, but the food that you achieve through, through winning that fight feeds your family, gives you all the same things. There's a real, it's a, I can really make that connection and it must be even deeper because that animal literally sustained you literally physically sustained you it's a it's a fast that's a really fascinating question and a really interesting line of thought it's and i can imagine i i i never really thought of that because a lot of the time you know you see you see a lot of those rivalries um mm -hmm. on you know when it comes to when it comes to fighting and things like that you see a lot of the rivalries you see a lot of the trash talking because most of the time it's that's the stuff that gets like really put out there. You know, you see mm -hmm. that unless you're really into into that and you're following it closely, that's what gets promoted is like, oh, mm -hmm. so-and-so, oh, they fought at the way in, you know, that kind of stuff. You don't see as much of the positive stuff. And the, I mean, there is a deep respect between fighters. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's amazing when you have two guys that, I mean, to some, you know, verging on life and death, just short of it, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. as close as you can get without actually <laughs> having it happen. Yeah. You know, you're sharing something with someone. For sure you are. And only you two really know what happened. Like even I spend my life analyzing fighting, but I, there are many things I just, you'll never know. You cannot get the full truth it's only available in the experience. So only they really know, right? There's also a very strange connection. Like this person is trying to take away my dream, but at the same time, the, the, this moment does it where I get to show who I am as a man or who I am as a human being or who I am as an artist or an athlete. This doesn't exist without them. So they're also my partner in this. I, I'm thankful for them, but I also need to take away their dream to get mine. So it's a very complex, very complex that develops. And then forever you're linked to that person. You know, that person defeated you or you defeated them and you shared these crazy moments. So it's it's a wild thing. It really is a wild thing. Hey, Roxy, Ro Roxanne Modafferi, she says that's right on the money. Just she's a she's a UFC fighter and a lifelong martial artist, uh, and so her saying that it it's it means a lot to us. That's awesome. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too.
For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. You know, I've seen, I've seen a huge connection between uh, fighters and hunters. I know mm-hmm. a lot, um, you know, another California guy, Chad Mendez. Um, he is a huge hunter. He runs a guide service. Um, and I know a lot of guys he's fought with and, um, I mean, shoot, half of his guide service is based on the idea of he'll, uh, he'll take you out on a hunt and there will be a, an athlete or a a fighter that goes on the hunt with you. Um, so you kind of have a a celebrity guest that comes out on the hunt with you. Um, Oh yeah, uh, Roxy just mentioned. I was gonna say yeah, Ro- Justin Gagey. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, uh, I mean, Luke Cadillo is a good friend. He's a fighter. Uh, Gladiators Unleashed. His whole, yep. his whole deal is is fighters that hunt, and uh, he's got a hey, show I, that's I, incredible. I have a question: uh, Is is a hunter by definition an athlete? Hmm. I. I could see both points. I wouldn't say by definition an athlete. Um, it's, uh, you know, you could call it a sport. Oh, well, so here's the question. Yeah. Is everyone who plays baseball an athlete? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, good question. Yeah. Good. Good point. Good point. It's, yeah. I, I, I would say no. Uh, and I'm sure somebody will, somebody will, email me or message yeah. me and say, yeah. call me an a-hole because of it. But um, <laughs> I the internet. Know. Yeah. And there's certainly, there are certainly physical aspects and there are without a doubt, athlete hunters. There yeah. are whole competitions uh, based around the athleticism having to do with hunting. There's like train to hunt. Uh, mm-hmm. And there are these competitions where you take your bow and you put on a weighted pack mm-hmm. and you, run up hills and do do these exercises then you have to shoot and you have to you're timed based on whether or not you hit your target and uh the alpha bow hunting challenge is another really cool one so there is definitely especially when it comes to western like mountain hunting yeah that that physical aspect you don't have to be in peak physical condition to do that but but there are athletes there are (laughs) athletes too aspects of athleticism in my belief is mental and psychological and different types of physiological like if you train as soon as you start to practice and study i think you are becoming an athlete to a certain degree if you say practice to shoot in between breaths or in between heartbeats that's a a type of athletic practice to me to me it is a physical athletic practice if you train your focus I think that's an athletic practice. It, it isn't by definition. Other people train focus other than athletes, but a fastball hitter trains his focus and trains those things. So it's an interesting one, but you're right. We could just discuss it for months and years and say, yes, oh, yeah. no, yes, no, yes. And that's part of the fun of any of these things. I'm never, re- If we keep an open mind, we'll never really find that. We'll never overly uh, sit with either yes or no on that. We'll keep an open mind and keep learning yeah. and thinking about it, you know? it's wild i mean talking about you mentioned you know you're good friends with joe rogan i know that's a huge piece of his hunting and you know he is you know he is very good buddies with cameron haynes who i I know yes and yeah i I met cameron at dinner i met cameron at a dinner with joe once. i met cameron at a dinner with joe once in uh at the mgm grand 
in uh, Las Vegas after Joe did a show. And Joe introduced him as, right. do you know Cameron? He's, and this was his exact words. Do you know Cameron? He's the world's most famous bow hunter. And I thought, that's <laughs> fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. He was a cool guy. He was a very cool guy. Yeah. I would, I would not say that as far, like, I'm sure there'd be, again, people would argue the point. But I would, I, if he was not the, like, most famous bow hunter, he's I'd, top three at least <laughs> by far. But um, he is just, he's one of the nicest guys on earth. He is, I mean, you want to talk about talented athletes, like, in multiple ways. I mean, dude's an ultra marathoner, and, yeah. he, and he's a lifter. Like, the two of those yeah. things don't tend to no. combine often. No. And, and he is just—I mean, he's just a bad. And talk, people that give people give him crap left and right, and he's one of the world's nicest guys. So, but I, I love Cam. Super talented guy, awesome hunter, and super inspiring. Yeah, a lot of these guys. I, I mean, we're all trying to figure out our path, right? And uh, the path involves learning. You know, being humble enough to keep learning. Um, uh, sometimes learning multiple disciplines, like you know, lifting and and ultra marathoning and bow hunting, and figuring out how they make you better at each. I mean, those mm -hmm. in things are inherently part of our path. So whenever we see people, whether they're exactly in our in our stream or not, we can learn, right? And that's that's one of the cool things about the internet. It's why I wanted to hang out and chat with you. We get a chance to learn by crossing disciplines, and there's a lot of that in the world right now. That availability is there, where you can learn about a lot of different things by literally just sitting and talking into our phones it's fucking cool well it's like who would have you know who would have thought we would have found we could find so many commonalities just right mm -hmm. off i mean two very different backgrounds two very different guys variety of interests things like yeah yeah there's there's very surface level uh commonalities but um it's just amazing that we have the ability yep. to do this um yeah but you know, so, there's one thing you brought up was talking about the mental aspect. And I think that's another huge crossover between hunting and hunting and fighting. And the mental aspect is something with hunting that you can put two different people in the exact same situation. And, and the guy that's mentally strong is going to be successful versus the guy that's not so much is got to go back to the truck, yeah. whether that's hiking in and deciding to go two ridges over because you heard an elk bugle over there, or whether that's just knowing and being strong enough to stay out there in crappy conditions to be able mm -hmm. to get that animal. And I'm sure it, that translates to fighting. 100%. But I, I believe it translates to all things. And I think the once you realize that, that our mental strength and our ability to sort of stay calm in chaos, to be able to, to be what we need from ourselves in difficult situations, once we realize that, number one, first, it's important, really important, important in everything. Then number two, we learn to assess it. And honestly, like, where are we at? How good am I? Oh my God, I, I folded in this situation. I'm sad, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I feel bad, but I accept it. And then number three, probably the most important thing is, this is a trainable skill. 
you can become mentally stronger. You become mentally stronger through hard work, through learning, through through being in situ, putting yourself in dis, dif, uh, difficult situations and finding that you fail, but get a little better. We, we develop this. And I've talked to a lot of fighters about this. And I remember the first time, Matt Brown. Matt Brown, We if you watch Matt Brown fight, he's one of the mentally toughest guys in the world. And I said that to him. I was like, Matt, you know, you're one of the me mentally toughest fighters there are. And he's like, no, I'm not. I'm just a person. When I show signs of mental toughness, it's a result of my preparation. I am not inherently mentally tough. I can be mentally tough if I worked hard enough. And I was like, holy shit, that's so self-aware. Because once you realize that, it's like whatever your limitations are, are only your limitations for now. If you accept them, acknowledge they're real, and then move to uh, work to move past them. And that's a very fucking empowering thing you can learn from not quite achieving what you set out to do hunting or in a cage mm -hmm. or in a business meeting or anything. Like we can learn it and we can develop it. Well, we don't like to be uncomfortable. And to grow in any fashion requires you to be uncomfortable. Comfort results in stagnation. When, I mean, and I'm a firm believer there's no such thing as, as standing still. You're either progressing or you're regressing. Um, I agree. And I, I, I kind of got into it with some people over the idea of balance and finding balance in life. And I kind of, uh, you know, we've all heard the term life is all about finding balance. Mm -hmm. And I call, I call bull crap on that. Life mm -hmm. is not, there's time for balance in life, but life is not all about finding balance. Life is about growth. And because if you're focused the whole time on finding balance, you're not going anywhere. Growth yeah. requires discomfort. Yeah. Growth requires throwing yourself off balance to move forward. You think about I think taking you're... a step, basic step yeah. forward. You have to, even for a small instance, lose your balance. Yourself yeah. off balance. To, to yeah, I agree. So I think you are both correct. Uh, I lean towards what you're saying day to day, but I think in the context of our life, let's say we lived 90 years, we would want to have found balance in its totality. So you were a father and a, and a brother and a friend and, a, and you accomplished things and you did, you built a business you were proud of and you learned stuff. In the totality of your life, you hope it all balances out. But day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, sometimes you go on a work bender that lasts for years. Sometimes you're doing nothing but study. Sometimes you just have fun for five days straight. It's not micro balance. You're absolutely right. If you're in micro balance all the time, you go nowhere. You, you hope that by being uncomfortable and growing constantly, that in the context of a life well-lived, maybe you found some balance. Mm. Oh, absolutely. You know? And I think yeah. a, lot of it, a lot of it is just semantics. It's, you know, how, how we're using the words and things like You're that. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And I tend to, again, I, I lean into being the kind of person that, like, when I do something, I, I go full yeah. ass into it. Like, I'm the guy, I will put my head down. And you know when you're a kid and you get so excited and you're, like, running downhill, you got your head running and you realize you're, you've committed so hard that you have to move your legs as fast as you can or else you are yeah. going to face plant in the dirt and go sliding on your face. Yeah. That's how yeah. I love to go at life. But when, when yeah. you fall, it's going to hurt like hell. And you're gonna, you're probably gonna get, your your likelihood of falling and hurting yourself is a lot higher, but you're gonna get places a whole hell of a lot faster.
That's I, I just love to approach people like that. Not everyone has I, to. I like but. it too. I like it too. And but to a some degree, as I've gotten older, some of that slowly leaves you, whether you want to or not. You're, you know, uh, whether you want it to or not. And I think if I'm being honest, I'm I I run down the hill with a tiny bit more awareness. But I love running. I love that run, though. I love that run when you realize. I'm gonna, I have to pump my legs as hard as possible to not fall down. And I don't know if it'll be hard enough. And I just realized that now. <laughs> and there's a moment of panic, but you do it. And there, that's a wonderful way to live, man. And it, maybe you won't live like that at 62, but you should fucking live like that right now if it gives you joy. And, and, it, and it does give you joy. Not everybody can do it, though. Um, Sam, I've enjoyed this immensely. We must do this again um, very soon. I definitely um, yeah, I've enjoyed this immensely. Um, my, I've got some people watching on that have popped up in and out of my stream. We probably should have said this earlier, but make sure you follow the Wildlife Initiative if you are. And, and I think people probably enjoyed this conversation, I hope, as much as I did. I, I got a lot out of it. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to make sure to save this, and I'll probably throw it up on YouTube and my instagram tv i gotta figure out how to do that but thank you so much for joining i had a great time and again if those of y'all that follow me if you're not following robin black is it rob black martial arts right yes sir yeah and please give me a copy i'll share it too i think igtv if you chop it to 14 minutes and 59 seconds or less then you can put it up there we go i will split that up thank you so much for the time that was hey, a man. lot of fun thank you lewis for introducing us Yes, and we will do this again. And we'll find different ways to be able to chat and compare our ideas. I love it, man. I, I'm happy I made a new friend today. Absolutely. Talk to you later. Enjoy the hostilities, my friend. All right, y'all, that'll do it for this bonus episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure y'all head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get links to everything we talked about in this episode. That'll do it for today. I'm looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors, and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from the Wild Initiative family, and more. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.